Did you see the latest Nintendo newsletter? Whoa, nice graphics. I'd like to get my hands on that game. You mean you haven't played it yet? We can play it on my Nintendo Entertainment System. It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks and Tektaks levers, too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go, Link. Yeah, get some. Awesome. Intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up. The Legend of Zelda sold separately. Welcome to the Legend of Zelda Games Club from Super and PC Radio, your bi-monthly book club style episode where your favorite buds from the Super and PC Radio Tooniverse get together <laughs> to discuss nearly the entire library of the mainline Zelda games. Uh, this episode will be free to all, but moving forward, these big ones will be exclusively available on our Patreon. Uh, so you can check that out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio at the $10 DJ Toad tier. What fun. Um, couldn't do this alone, <laughs> nor would I like to, because that would be um, isolating, and I've done enough of that over this gosh darn year. So <laughs> I'm going to introduce the people who are joining me, your semi-host uh, for this episode, Connor McCabe. Uh, and if I ever host, I'm just going to be a semi-host. Um, semi-hosting with me, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. One of the Three Amiibos himself, Jeremy Schmidt. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Wow. I, I, Even though you did say I'm also semi-hosting, I still feel like a guest. So thank you uh, so much for having me. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, Anytime I can make you feel like a guest, it's good because you're oft a host. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about wanting to host this one together, wanting to do this one together. And, and you know, you had the great idea. Well, let's also invite Joan along, too. And I thought that was brilliant. So we have and we have. Oh, maybe you should introduce Joan before I keep talking. <laughs> also, no. Hey, you got us there. Thank you. Thank you for it's one guest introducing another. Joan Ford, yeah, yeah. welcome hi, to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me again. Of course. A super NPC radio favorite. Mm-hmm. The fans mm-hmm. love you. The fans can't get enough of you. I get one of the, if I was a if I was a Nintendo game, I'd get one of those uh, like playing with power seals or what were they? What, oh, were, those yeah. seal, what were those seals when there you, was, a game reached classic status? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, there's seal that. Seal of there's, approval. Yeah. Totally. Seal of, Nintendo seal. Nintendo the seal, seal of quality. Yeah. Seal. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love yeah. it. Um, if I was a GameCube game, this would be my re-release when they re-release me on the Wii. Players, players' choice, players or, choice or, yeah, or that, or yeah, yes. or you get an upgrade. You get ported mm-hmm. back up to the HD. But do well, they, guess, are they adding motion controls to this new? They to are, this new in job? fact. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The okay. players' choice did add, did add motion controls. Yeah. You better believe wow. it. Oh yeah. Well, look at us. Uh, uh, three people, perfect for this episode. We didn't plan it, but there are three pieces of the Triforce. So here we are <laughs> to kick off, you know, we're, as we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, I'm sure. Today, we are discussing 
the OG, the original, the Legend of Zelda on the Nintendo Entertainment System. A little tiny baby peek behind the curtain, as I like to do, um, and we talked about before we started rolling. This is our actual first recording for the Legend of Zelda Games Club. As the listeners know, we re-released the uh, co-op Breath of the Wild episode that we did last summer already, but this is our first little foray into these big baddies. So, um, yeah, I mean, we you. did an yeah. intro episode, Connor and I, where we talked about our feelings on this. And so, if you're listening and you're not crazy, there was another episode that happened, but it was just more me and Connor discussing how we felt about the series as a as a big as a big whole. I actually think it's going to do us uh, mighty good if we gaslight the listeners and, and make them feel crazy. This is the first episode. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, Thank well, you I get yeah, you're, yeah, true. Yeah, episode two, De- Legend of Zelda one. Yes, delete, <laughs> delete all prior episodes. Yeah. Make them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which would be men great. in black, men in black device them. Does yeah. it, yes. What's the what's the name of the device? Have, do we know? The Does anyone neuralizer. know? Neuralizer. The neuralizer. Yeah. Neuralize them. See, yeah. this is why we've got Joan on this episode. Joan's yeah. going to come you. and clutch at those references yeah. and those the, they, the names for them. Yeah, make your vivid memories turn to fantasies. Yes. <laughs> there we are. Um, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for this episode. Um, if you happen to be tuning in for the first time, maybe you just Google. The Legend of Zelda podcast. Um, this is a series, as I sort of said earlier, where we are throughout the year uh, be going to be going through the mainline series of uh, The Legend of Zelda, doing these book club style episodes with uh, two to four to who knows how many people. I maybe have uh, five of us on a, the Wind Waker episode coming up later this year, Jeez assuming Louise. nobody drops. Um, yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about so much with the series, you know, the, the the game's history, but mostly it is a book club style episode. So we want to talk about our experiences with the game and uh, our big takeaways. Um, but first, uh, on the kickoff episode, Jeremy and I had the chance to talk about our histories with the Zelda series. So Joan, I was actually hoping to park this car and ask you sure. about, or park this horse because maybe Epona is the car. Oh yeah, no, uh, hitch this horse to hitch a that horse. Thank you, thank you. And go into the little tavern, sit down, and get a mug of whatever whatever they drink in Zelda. And, and lawn lawn milk for your milk lot, diet. Yes, yes, wow. yes, yes. Oh, oh, that that's off camera. That was that was an off. That's uh, an off mic callback. Off mic callback, but but you I, got it. <laughs> I am gonna be doing. I'm doing. I'm planning. Hopefully, uh, starting in May, I'm gonna be doing a milk cleanse where you just drink milk. Mm-hmm. We believe in you, and yeah. I think Link literally does a milk cleanse for all the games <laughs> that have milk in it. He doesn't un- until Breath of the Wild, where he actually eats stuff. Yeah. Um, unless he eats fairies, which I don't like to think so. I like to think they just like sprinkle their dust on him and they disappear. Am but, I wrong? I, f- I feel like Zed, the first one has like there's like meat bone on, meat on bone in certain places. Am I wrong? You are correct, but yeah. he does not consume it. Actually, wait, what does he do with it? That is saying? used as a right. distraction. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For the hungry meat eaters that he's fighting. That's true. Yeah. 
Um, he, so there is food, but he doesn't. He won't eat it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, he yeah. abstains. And it and it looked delicious. Oh, nothing looks more delicious. Nothing looks more delicious than video game food. Than video game meat on bone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Meat on bone, full full pizza in, the, <laughs> full in a pizza. trash can. Yeah. <laughs> or or full full and like streets of rage, full cooked turkey in a trash yes. can. Give me that turkey. Yeah. That well, energy. Yeah. I, I'm I'm losing energy. The how will I ever? Oh, cr- trash can turkey. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> What more could you want? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear about your history with the Zelda series, Joan. Okay, so I never played, never really played any of the NES of uh, Zeldas. They were games that friends had, but weirdly, like my family was almost entirely I, uh, during the NES era. My family was almost entirely only getting like. Um, tie-in games we yes. were like this bart for the space mutants and and the capcom disney games that was what we played that's what my parents bought us so uh, outside of mario which kind of existed as his own little ip yeah. where he was just a character the same way mickey mouse was those were really the only games we had and it wasn't until super nes uh days with Link to the Past, that that was the first Zelda game I got like super into, oh, and, I, and I, if I remember correctly, I can remember I want to say like seventh grade, spending an entire summer just like parked in front of the TV, beating uh, Link to the Past. I, I got like that was the one summer I got like super into RPGs, beating that, beating I think I did Chrono Trigger and Secret oh. Mana like all around the same time. The best Very summer fun. anyone's ever had. Yes. <laughs> I remember, I remember like specific uh, in the, li- in my family's living room, we had like the main TV and then like on the ground in this, what was essentially this little like cove between the, the couch and the wall. Like it's like couch, little space. And then the wall in that little space, we had a smaller TV because people were playing the Super Nintendo too much, so my parents were just like, well, we'll put a small TV down here <laughs> so other people could actually watch the TV. And I can just remember being in this, like, little cave down on the floor playing Legend of Zelda all summer while, like, my dad was on the couch watching baseball. Um, mm, wow. So that was my first real distinct memory of those games. Now I think this is a dream of mine. We're talking Link to the Past and baseball at the same time. Yeah. This sounds great. Oh, no. Now that I ever paid attention to the baseball, I just... <laughs> have those memories yes and then that um and then and then i played all the the nintendo 64 games cool uh yeah kind of in that same same little setup we had the we had the similar setup for the n64 so i played i forget what the order they came out in but i played ocarina of time and ocarina of time and what was the other what was the other uh 64 one majora's mask Majora's Mask, yes, but oh man, Ocarina of Time, so mm, good, so good. Uh, getting, I remember getting that horse and feeling so free. Yeah, and then <laughs> I was kind of oh I, no, and then I, I I played all of. I think I stuck with it. It's weird. I don't really think of myself as a Zelda person, but I did really stick with the franchise. I did wow. play Twilight Princess. I did play Wind Waker. Huh. Uh, I played Breath of the Wild. So I've kind of is there? What am I from the the main line, the main console line? What am I missing beyond the first two? Uh, just Skyward Sword, I think. 
Oh yeah, no, I did not play Sky. I never played Skyward Sword. Um, so anyway, so that was kind of my history with it. And then this past summer was when I finally decided I was kind of on a little bit of a retro game kick to finally be like, you know, what? I'm finally gonna like go back and oh. play and and like fully play. You know, I mean, I definitely like, dabbled in Zelda in the original Legend of Zelda for a little bit, but it was the first time I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and like really commit to playing this thing. And I didn't beat it, but I got much further than I've ever had in the rest of my life. Oh, you don't gotta beat it. It's, it's just, it's such a meditative experience. It exists for you to just run around in. That's really what I've had to, <laughs> that's really, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's really the mindset I had to like get myself into to start really appreciating it, appreciate it and enjoying it. Like realizing that like death is part of the journey that it's yeah. not, that, oh. you know, it's, it's about like reset. It's about dying and resetting, but resetting with the new things, you know, and the new paths you have. It's really, I, I, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a very, it's a very meditative, like your journey. It's, it's a really a journey. And I, 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 I had an amazing time. Oh, that's so exciting. It also it sounds a lot like what I felt when I went through it really for the first time all the way through um, earlier this year, uh, but I'll save that for a little bit. But thank you for sharing. Do you happen to have a, uh, I'm just curious, a favorite Zelda title in your heart? In my heart, I don't know. I I I, I think it is linked to the. Pa- I think it is linked to the past, so just because good. that was the one that kind of really opened up the world of the game to me. And just mm. I I've been so used to outside of maybe like which we have talked about on this show, Ducktales, which is mm, not yes. quite a linear game. Or, and I mean, even within oh, yeah. that, it is pretty linear. Or uh, the, which I talked about in a different podcast, but like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit video game. Yes. I actually have a lot of experience with like non-linear, just kind of like world exploring games where, you know, you just feel like you have this huge, huge playground open to you. So I just, the kind of, there's always that, I feel like there's this joy when you like, you discover a new type of game and you're like, oh, this Games can be so something totally different than I ever knew. It's something unexpected. It's opening up something to you, and like it's the same feeling I got the first time I played just a video game. I played Mario, or the first time I played Mario sixty four, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this is just I never thought of games like this. So yeah, that's the kind of experience I I still kind of hold close to my heart with Link to the Past. That's really beautiful. I love that. I feel like I hope for the same thing when I play games. And when you discover one of those or you have one of those experiences, man, it's so gosh darn special. Not to derail, but have y'all had an experience like that lately? Where it's just like, oh, like I knew, like this is like, I've never played anything like this. Oh yeah, I have. I'll share briefly. I'm playing a game right now called Ori in the Blind Forest. And it's Mm. like this 2D Metroidvania sort of uh, puzzle platforming game. And it's, but it's all hand-drawn, like cartoon animated stuff. And it's, um, 
it's one of the most strikingly beautiful games I've ever played. But what makes it so um, breathtaking for me is that uh, the way a Metroidvania works is you you unlock different moves and power ups, kind of like a Zelda, but but uh, but and it allows you to progress further onto the map. So you'll see like an area you can't get to yet. You know, oh, I need a double jump, and so you f- you'll find the double jump in the map. Uh, there was a part where I got. Um, the right combo of moves and it felt like I was invincible. Like I was just like flying through the level and it was like, it just made me feel so good and so powerful. And like, I've had that games have tried to give me that experience before and none of them did it quite like in this way. So that was my, that was my reason. Oh, Jeremy, keep, keep me posted on your journey there. It's it's great. It's on switch too. I'm playing on an Xbox, but it's on switch. If anybody ever wants to try it out, pretty fun. Wow. I wrote it down. Oh, amazing. And I had two this last summer. I am I am famously known for missing games when they come out and experiencing them 15 years afterwards. Sure. So oh, yeah. I had two last summer that were really special and I didn't, like I had heard of them for years and didn't know how I was going to feel playing them. That is um, Bioshock, the, the first one. Mm. And also... More importantly, Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that one, in which we've covered that one on, as these $10 DJ Toad tier patrons will know, on the, <laughs> uh, uh, for Call Me By Your Game co-op with uh, Roxy Polk, uh, Cody Ziegler, and uh, Alec Robbins. But any, but uh, that was just such a, such a dream. Um, Those are two games I got really into at different points. Yeah, Amazing. They're, yeah, yeah they... Like I had heard about both for years and I think I kind of actually I played them back to back and yeah, they were just really, really special in their own ways. Um, uh, so much so that I replayed Shadow of the Colossus in November on the PS5 after after that came out. It was just great. Uh, is it uh, a did PS5 release a um, remastered it or is it just the same game? It's the it's the PS4 2014 did. blue or it's the blue point one. Yeah. Oh, I never. Pl- I've, I only played it on PS2. I didn't know they even did a kind of remaster, so I need to check that out. Oh yeah, yeah. highly encourage you to do so. It's yeah. it's gorgeous. It's oh man, could talk about that game forever. Um, but yeah, but thank you again for sharing about your history with uh, with the Zelda series. I did want to share with both of you and you, Jeremy. We talked about so much Zelda stuff, but before we dive into this, I forgot to tell you. Zelda is a family name of mine. It's actually oh. my great grandma's name was Zelda. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I forgot to tell you that. Um, and then, uh, but that's really all I wanted to share. Well, <laughs> the, let me ask you this. Yes. What is, where, where does the names, I didn't look this up. I should have looked it up. Where does Ooh. the name Zelda come from, Connor? Like, where I can tell you. So yeah. uh, we'll, this we would have covered this in the history and development anyway. I know that the Zelda in this game is named after Zelda Fitzgerald. Yes. But yes. I, I'm asking, where? like, is it a German name? <laughs> That's more what I, I'm asking. You know what? I actually think it's Portuguese because oh, okay. it could be Portuguese because my great grandma was fully Portuguese and uh, I'm guessing... Zelda Fitzgerald could have been too. So it's sort of a just a guess based on my family heritage, I guess. It All is right. so weird for me to think because I I first heard the name Zelda through the game, so Same I just always yeah. connotate Zelda with like fantasy princess mm-hmm. uh, name. But 
if he is, would it just be similar to him having picked some other like old timey lady's name? Like, could have this been like the legend of Gertrude and yes. just be like, Gertrude yeah. is, uh, is that, what are you talking about? That's not yeah. a grandma name. That's the name of a, you know, a, prin- a princess, you know, in a faraway land. Ernest the, legend of, the legend of Rachel. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway's, uh, like famously beautiful wife, Gertrude. Uh, Gertrude, yeah. that, is one of the funniest things I've heard in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, somehow Zelda still keeps its like uh, sort of elegance with that yes. name. It is kind of ethereal. Yeah. It's like more ethereal, maybe than Gertrude. It's, <laughs> You're right. it's, but, Gertrude has too many like hard. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. hard but I like Ger- I like Gertrude though. I, like, I, I play the legend of Gertrude. I would too. Fact, yeah, that sounds something fact, something haunting about it a little bit. Yeah. I want. Oh yeah, it'd be more of a Victor like a. a Kind of Crimson Peak esque. Oh yes, horror game. How she threw herself from the balcony. Yes. Yeah. Have you heard the legend of <laughs> cousin Gertrude? <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sorry I don't have any good Gertrude content coming forward for us in, for the rest of this <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, I You'll apologize. Think You'll think of something. Um, I will. The first thing I sort of wanted to do was um, just talk about this game in in broad strokes really quick just sort of like give a little overview of of what this game is we're gonna we're gonna really dive into it in a little bit um but it this is the first one in the entire series this is the thing that kicked it off um i'm also sort of we can sort of weave our personal experiences as joan has helped us sort of kick that off already um into this discussion but to me, this always seemed like sort of, I've heard this described as like the dad game, like from people who are maybe a little bit older than myself, they knew it as like the games that like the game that parents were playing and that dads were playing on the NES before they were. Um, Jeremy, I'm curious, did you have like a perception of this game maybe before you ever even played it? Dude, I didn't even know what Zelda was until Ocarina of Time. I I, I yeah. was like, I missed Link to the Past even, and I was a big Super Nintendo guy, so I I don't know what my deal was. I get, I think that it was hard those isometric top down run around adventure games. I don't, because I, I never RPGs like my favorite genre. I never even played RPGs on the Super Nintendo, so I don't. Wow. I think I just my brain, my kid brain just didn't get it. I just don't, wasn't understanding how to, where to go. I think I think I would rent it and not know where to go. I feel so, the yeah. exact same boat. I didn't quite think of it as like the dad game, just because none of the adults in my life, parents or friends of parents, played video games. I was it's still like very. I don't know. You know, early eighties, not early eighties, like late eighties. Uh, upstate New York, like Catholic neighborhood, it was just pretty much assumed that yeah. like, video games are dumb and they rock the brain. And like, I guess we'll let the kids have them, but yes, because they won't shut up. But but it was I did think of, I did think of it as a like older brother game. It was never the f- game that me and my mm. friends would play. It was the game that like we'd come downstairs and my friend's older brother would be on the Nintendo playing Zelda and be like, "But we want to play. We 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 need to play the Spy versus Spy game we rented." That is. that's what i that's that's how i remember it at at one point though i remember i learned that there were there was an older than link to the past zelda game uh for the nintendo and i do remember coveting it and and wanting to play it so bad Mm. and then finally getting my hands on it i still actually have yeah hold on let me grab it we're seeing a big reach copy of the original legend of zelda game wow 
So there's and that it's classics. Like the, the, yeah, right. Label. Classic series. The box is still in pretty good condition too. It's a gold cartridge. I I remember popping this in as a fairly young kid, like post N sixty four era, but like popping it on like an old uh, console and running around in it. And you know, uh, I remember thinking at that point, I was like, this is pretty fun. I like I like. Cool. bopping around in this in this but i never i never thought of it as a as a dad game yeah. zelda because zelda's a, a link's a boy a little boy i thought it was more like a peter pan thing for me i was like totally i thought about him in the same way as a, a peter pan final fantasy or something like that that might have been more like a dad thing sure i'm impressed yeah. I, so you've had that game since you were that box since you were a little kid yeah I'm, for sure i uh, yeah wow. and this is how much like I, I i clearly yeah. I'm impressed. Like we could not hold on to Nintendo boxes for more than a day after we opened them. They don't. They like <laughs> someone would sit on them and they just be flat and cracked, <laughs> and then my mom would throw them yeah. away. Yes. Yeah. It, that's, that's the only one I own. Even now, like those, I have a few still um, from from way back when, and they. Even just like standing up, I feel like they start to just like yeah, break. yeah they like they're and so wilt. <laughs> yes. Getting one that's still I, in the box is like expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that yeah. would be yeah. uh, tribulation to do. Now. I looked it up. So really when hard. I was going this, not to like derail too much, but I was when I was going through a like Roger Rabbit eBay kick uh, yes. this summer, or just buying a bunch of like Roger Rabbit merch off. Uh, off eBay. I love it. The it I got a I got a original I got a sell from the actual movie like a piece of art that was actually used in the movie that cost less than the price of a like unopened Roger Rabbit Nintendo oh cartridge. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like wow, yeah. Oh my goodness! What wow. can we, can I ask? What piece of art you got from the it movie? It is a sell. It, it's a sell from the scene where. Um, oh, Judge yeah. Doom is like holding Roger by the neck, like over the dip, In and the bar? yeah, Eddie's offering him a a like a shot of whiskey or a shot yes, of bourbon. That's right. I think I think I've seen you post about this. Yeah. It's really it's cool. Very, I would show oh. it, but I, it's it's still not it's still packed for my move. But yeah, it's uh, I, I went through a I went that's I I've talked about this on their podcast, but yes, I went through a big like and still kind of in it quarantine. I did a lot of like eBay shopping, and I went through like little phases where I was like, okay, now I'm getting a lot of record vinyl records. Now I'm getting a lot of old mm-hmm. horror magazines, and then there was definitely a phase where I'm like, I'm just definitely getting a lot of Roger Rabbit shit. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I would normally just love to pivot this into a full-on Roger Rabbit conversation. And I know Joan, the last I time we talked on a podcast, yes. I think we were like very close to. Do- yes, yes. I think was- I was Maybe? present for this. Yeah. I do remember this. Almost were- became a complete Tony Hawk. Almost Tony became Hawk. a Roger oh, that's Rabbit. True. Yeah, because let's, let's yeah. try not to let that happen again. <laughs> I'm just as a pitch huge it now. Roger as a huge Roger yeah. Rabbit fan. I approve. I, well, I don't think there's a lot to talk about this game. So let's let's talk Roger, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> that's exactly animation. what it's <laughs> what the listeners yeah. were hoping yeah. for. Um, Jeremy, though, quick pitch: we should yeah. do a Robert, Roger Rabbit episode of Super NPCs and have Joan. Yeah, I would love. Yeah, it. I think it'd be I great. Mean, I've, I've already talked about it on how did this get played, but I'd be down to talk about it so much more. I mean, we should talk about the movie. Oh yeah, let's just talk about the movie. Yeah. yeah, we should just talk about the movie. Uh, um, cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I'll, and I'll pivot us back a little bit um, just to sort of like my early perceptions of, the, of this game. I mean, I knew that it was um, – because when I discovered it, kind of like Jeremy, I had played 
Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, those were my first, and I fell absolutely head over heels in love with these games, and still very much am. Um, but of course, I was curious and learned about the past games. My uh, One of my friends swore by Link to the Past, so I at least knew of that. I found out about Zelda 2, and then of course, Zelda 1, and I knew it was just generally, you know, a the adventure game where Link is just trying to collect the Triforce, defeat Ganon, and save Zelda, like which is pretty much in line with the with the rest of the series. Um, but for me, I didn't wasn't even though I had an original Nintendo, I wasn't exposed to this. And it's one of those things where now having completed it, I like think my life would have been way different if I had it as a kid. Um, which maybe that's not true. Maybe I would have bounced off it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, go for no, it. I do think my gaming life would be so different if this had imprinted on me as a real little kid, as a real little kid. I think, yeah, I think someone just needs, and when you're like really young and you encounter it, I do think there needs to be someone to hold your hand and be like, this isn't Mario. This isn't like you just go in a straight yes. line. You beat people. This is about you're exploring. You're exploring. Like I just, I, I wish I had someone to explain that to me, as opposed to just totally. being like, what? Is, what is this? Where am I supposed to go? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's just it's a little too hot. Yeah. I mean, to expect a kid to sort of, I mean, I'm sure kids did beat it, but I mean, like to expect a kid to just in in a vacuum play through all the entirety of this game and it, have it really imprint on them is a little little much like I think I and mean, we'll get to this I'm sure but like the, the whole design concept philosophy behind it is that people would talk to each other about it yeah so that like you're supposed to go to the you know back when it came out in 1987 or whatever in the in the US you're supposed to go to the lunchroom and be like hey I'm stuck on this part did you guys figure did anyone yeah. figure it out like and I didn't have that when I when I got to it Connor you didn't have that either because people no. were moved on people were playing PlayStation 1 and stuff I, so. I feel like I have vague memories of like kids drawing maps of the sections they'd explore. Like wow. the kids yeah. who are slightly older than me, like coming in with those maps and being like, well, okay, mm-hmm. you like, what, what did you find in this section? Because some of it's like really obtuse. Like you just never think, oh, totally. you put, like a bot, you put a bomb here. That's how you get a, the, your fourth heart. Right. Like, why would I yeah. ever know that? If it wasn't burning yeah. the, burning the bush. Yes. That's the thing that I'm like, I lose it. Every time I have to burn that bush, I'm like, you gotta be, joking me right now this is insane yeah, but, I, but i also feel like that it, it playing in that way that it's kind of intended to be played does really add to the like the feeling of this place is a real world with yeah like so many different weird little nooks and crannies to be explored and yes. things to be discovered because it's like almost like there's too much for any one person you you're all like kind of little travelers regrouping to, to yeah. tell your tales mm. of what you found and i think that's so cool yeah totally and i i all the things you two are talking about i've heard people who played the game at the time say the same things and that's exactly how i felt playing through it this final time well not final it's really the first uh the beginning of the end truly (laughs) first and final first and final never going back (laughs) um but truly i think once you can allow yourself to play it in the way that it can be played to learn the language of the game that is going to have a much different impression or form a much different impression than when I first tried it playing on the Zelda collector's edition disc on the GameCube being like, I don't want to ever play this game. 
like mm. bounced totally off it. I, I got this thing as I think I've talked about this before, but I pre-ordered uh, Wind Waker and what you got in return for that was this like collector's edition GameCube disc that came with Zelda 1, Zelda 2, uh, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask, and a little like Wind Waker like demo. So, th- but I remember being pumped for this thing, bummed that there was no link to the past. And Zelda 1 and 2, I couldn't have wanted less to do with after yeah. tying them. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. still Zelda 2, kind of. But, but yeah. yeah. And stay tuned yeah. for a couple weeks when we cover Zelda 2. Yeah. Can't can't wait for that. Thank you for thank you again, Jeremy, for uh, for doing that. Uh, I appreciate it. But yeah, that's just like until truly this year. And like uh, as we're talking about our personal experiences, I've tried it since then. I I don't have. I never got it on the Wii or the Wii U Virtual mm. Console. I didn't have an NES. Do either of you have an NES Classic? I, I have don't. An NES Classic. I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. I still honestly would love to get my hands on one, but they're so hard to find. Are um, they really hard to find? Because I knew they were putting them back yeah. out for a while there. I, yeah. I, I didn't know they were. Uh, yeah. I, I have. This is actually the only game I ever bought on the Virtual Console on my Wii. <laughs> oh, I have so it. much stuff on my virtual console. Yes. I wish I had, yeah. and looking back, I wish I had, but uh, it, I didn't even buy it. My friend Evan, who's a little older than me at the time in college, he bought it for me. He came over to my house, he put his card information, and he's like, oh, we're going to play yes. this tonight. You, and, uh, I remember this on our virtual console episode, you talked about this. Yeah, it was fun, too. And, and just so you know, I love this game now. Yeah. Like, yes. now playing it, like, oh. oh, my. It's so special. Every time I feel like uh, you can construct your own little narrative That's, of like, yes, what you're yes. doing. All right, so now we're going to dive in to the history and context of the Legend of Zelda. Uh, I already uh, don't worry, listener. I prepped my two my two friends who are here with me, saying this is probably going to be far more history and context that we get for any of the rest of the games in this series. And I, but I also do want to go over a lot of this detail because it's really interesting. Um, it's the first one. It's them creating the game, creating the series. Uh, it's, and I just want the listener to know that while Connor does want to talk about the history, I'm just here to party, so that's kind of his <laughs> thing. And then I'm I'm the party guy over here kind of wanting to just talk about swords. And I'll just mingle between okay. both worlds. Maybe I'll talk about history. <laughs> Maybe I'll talk about swords. We'll see. Okay, cool. Also, I didn't know party guys just talked about swords, but yeah. that's, that's you know, I'm not going to question it. Love, so if I bring a sword to a party, you'll get lots of attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Uh, probably, I would guess that type of person. Yeah. They're bringing a katana. Yeah. Specifically. Oh yeah, be unsheathed. See, what do you? Oh, for unsheathed? sure. Unsheathed? How do you say that? I think you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The sheath wouldn't. The sheath wouldn't be on very no. long. I don't think. But you need to make a big display of unsheathing. It's also that person would probably take off their shirt too. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. I feel like we're really crafting a, 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 a really scene painting ponytail. Yeah. A I long think ponytail. You know what we're doing right now? We are scene painting a character that someone would step out as it is an initiation, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's mm-hmm. a pretty good one. Yeah. Pretty good character. <laughs> uh, had to tie in some uh, improv sketch comedy to this yeah. at least one time. Um, but I'll dive right into it for us. And like I said, the two of you, if you'd like to interject or add on or talk about any of this stuff, which I'll probably pause for that exact reason, please, please do. Um, but I'll kick it off for us. 
The Legend of Zelda was directed and designed by Sujiro Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka. Uh, Miyamoto produced the game while Tezuka wrote the story and the script, which is funny to me because uh, I, I wonder like what the script was for this game. Was it more than like the opening crawl that you get? You get like this like Ganon entered the land and like kidnapped Zelda and she scattered her Triforce of Wisdom all over um, because there's not a lot of story that's going on through this game. Maybe he also wrote the dialogue for like the characters yes. that you interact with. I'm assuming it's a little bit of that. Is it a secret too? Well, he did, yeah, he's oh, oh, he specifically didn't write the the stuff inside the manual, <laughs> which is yes. like the guy who wrote one of the Dragon Ball writers helped. Out yes, that's that. another person. So, and especially this this game, as we're going to talk about through the whole thing, being so exploration based and so little to actually hold your hand and tell you what's going on, it is interesting to think about what. That, I just thought it was funny. I was like, what the hell is the script for this? Um, much of the programming yeah. was done by Toshihiko Nakago. And uh, Keji Teriyu was a screenwriter who, as Jeremy just said, worked on Dragon Ball. Also wrote the backstory for the manual, uh, drawing inspiration from medieval Europe. Development for this game uh, began in 1984 alongside that of the original Super Mario Bros. This game is sort of like is famously known for being developed alongside of the original Mario Bros, which is funny because that seems to happen for throughout Nintendo's history, even through the most recent mainline games that we got Breath of the Wild and Odyssey. Um, and kind of like they, they, there's a couple interesting things that happen here that uh, also continue through the series history as they're developing these games, they are like discerning which concepts were Zelda ideas and which ones are Mario ideas. And there are also things that I feel like sort of throughout the series get used in both. Um, I found that just particularly yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting I- to think like how what cornerstones of gaming these two things are. And they were just both like they both kind of just like wrote a language and for yeah. for two very different types of games moving forward for like ever like just the rest of time. And to think that they were both being developed at the same time is so so fascinating. By the same people. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's funny, those decisions that they're making at the time probably sort of like set the, you know, in some ways set the paths for these, for each of those yeah. series. Um, I'm, I'm going to do an impression of Miyamoto uh, making decisions. Ready? Okay, Mario, I'm thinking red. I'm thinking red <laughs> and Zelda, green. Wow. What do you what do you think? Red and green. The, we'll have red ideas over here. Idea. Yeah, sure. we'll have green yeah. ideas over here. That seems to be the biggest difference between these two. One's red, the other one's green, baby. Okay, but Mr. Uh, wait, what's your last name? Mr. Miyamoto. Mr. Miyamoto. <laughs> what about well, we have this other character, Mario's brother. What car- what color should he be? Oh God! Oh God! Uh, oh no, he's having one of his panic okay, attacks okay. again. <laughs> uh, uh, hold all my calls. I, I'm, gonna, I'm locking myself in my office for the rest of the day. No, no. Is that calls. a bag of cocaine? <laughs> green, red, green. I can't decide. The, the, the police are here. <laughs> oh no. Um, 
so that 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 whole thing is just super interesting. Um, instead of that simplifying, scene, that scene we did was very interesting. Thank you. That, that was pretty. The whole great. thing was very yeah, interesting. Let's play we did. I love that. I love that up top. I was of this section. I was like. I, we gotta have. We had to have a little sketch comedy yeah. and improv, and here we are. It's coming yeah. back, folks. Can feel it. Easy um, stage, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna do the red green up. sketch on the UCB yeah. stage. Just you see it. Your first sketch back at Mod <laughs> Night for Jumpman. Yeah. I'm thinking red, and this yeah. one's green. Yeah. Yeah. Joan That's and I will be character. in the audience regretting our choice of being. Yeah. No, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be claiming credit for it. Yeah. Like that's half mine. I'm a, standing up at, I'm just, standing up in the middle of the sketch to claim yeah. credit. I, I really hope so. Um, uh, instead of simplifying the adventure for the player, uh, Miyamoto hoped that the player would listen to the old man at the beginning um, by uh, taking his advice to take to t- obviously to take the sword and explore. Not that you have a choice once you actually interact with him. It just comes upon the player and hoped that people, as we talked about earlier, would learn different strategies via uh, and secrets via word of mouth. And I, while I didn't get to experience this with with this particular game, this was sort of a thing that I got to have with Pokemon on the playground, wondering like what things could happen, what Pokemon would evolve into, and especially because that game had cheats and like glitches. I feel like we got a totally different version of that. Um, but yeah, we sort of already had touched on that a little bit. Um, with The Legend of Zelda, Miyamoto wanted to flesh out the idea of a of a game world, which is also something Joan was sort of touching on a little bit later, how this feels like it's like lived in world. Uh, by giving players uh, what Miyamoto is quoted as saying, a miniature garden so that they can put inside their drawer. Um Famously, he drew inspiration for the game's concept from his experience as a boy around Kyoto, where he explored nearby fields, woods, and caves, and he was surprised and inspired by finding things, such as one time he found a lake that was hidden while he was hiking. Oh, what a um, magical which, childhood. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, just discovering a lake. I wonder yeah. if it was like more of a pond than a lake, but yeah. either way, you can see the sort of uh, inspiration yeah. for... The series in this game specifically and what is, for me, was so much of the joy, having been almost entirely unfamiliar with this until January, was like when you would discover yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. How satisfying that yeah, felt. Yeah, you just like, and the, I'm, sc- the screen like scrolls over and you're like, oh shit, like I'm at a, I'm, there's a, I'm at a cave or I'm at like, a, I'm at a dungeon door shaped like a lion or something. That was so, that was always so satisfying. Or would you just like totally. go into a, uh, a different dungeon room and holy shit, there's like a dragon in there. Yes. I will be using the word satisfying yeah. very much when talking about my experience because for whatever reason, that's what I was feeling so much of. Um, uh, he was, uh, I already saw, I already said that part about discovering the lake. Uh, Tezuka, in turn, wrote the setting to be a fairy tale like adventure, taking inspiration from fantasy books such as J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. Um, however, early development led to concepts that were heavily influenced by technologically advanced elements. Uh, with micro trips for the Triforce made of circuits and Link being a time traveler. Were either, either of you aware of this wacky futuristic science mumbo jumbo they were getting into? No, wait, what? <laughs> yes. This the early development. They had like 
technological ideas for the way that this world would work as opposed to this like fantasy based sort of medieval world which is interesting because like the series has sort of skewed into that i mean there's elements throughout but like breath of the wild i can think of several things like like the oh yeah with breath of the wild Wild kind of doesn't the first thing that happens to you in breath of the wild is kind of that you get a nintendo switch right basically yes you do get a device that's true (laughs) yeah i mean there's like lots of lasers and like big powerful machines like sentient machines in breath Mm -hmm. of the wild and that doesn't seem to be the case for a lot of the other games i know skyward sword has a lot of that too yeah in there there's like machine stuff in there but and there's some stuff even i can remember uh, thinking even back to Link to the Past, there are the Beamos, the like spinning yeah. little towers that like yeah. if they see you will laser you. But so maybe that's that how they like allowed themselves to sort of like let that back into the series. But I, I hope the future Zeldas go lean more into it, like a like, hybrid fantasy future yeah. sort of scenario. I think that Link in space, I've always thought like a Zelda yes. in space would Ooh, be yes. wild. Hey, the castle's taken off in this Breath of the Wild 2 trailer. You never know, Jeremy. You never know. Could um, Link in this game is speculated to be named as the player's connection or link to this world with their interactive role, sort of as Zero Avatar in the game. Um, link in his role was designed by Miyamoto as a coming-of-age motif to identify with, with Jeremy. I think you sort of touched on Link seeming like a little boy uh, in this game because he really is uh, just like a kid um, who would, you know, overcome trials and tribulations to be to gain experience and become stronger and get, get more tools. Um, Link, uh, he, he, he's also, of course, heavily inspired by Peter frickin' Pan and the name of our Zelda princess, as we already talked about. Zelda came from Miyamoto's fascination with the mystique and name of Zelda Fitzgerald, whose husband was F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, and Miyamoto believed her to be fa- a beautiful and famous woman and based on all accounts, just liked the name. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not it's not an accident that you see all the this imagery that's Peter Pan imagery, right? With like no, yeah. fairies and and you with your like little dagger and mm-hmm. woodland creatures and then also like, um, you know, meeting other like groups, like ecosystems, like within, like yes. little biomes within, oh, which yeah. is very Neverland like, and especially once you get to like Wind Waker, there's like that whole swashbuckling yeah. element to it. I mean, it's very yeah. um, in February 1986, Nintendo released The Legend of Zelda as a launch game for the Famicom Disk System peripheral. Um, this thing made you full use of a disc card really just looks like a floppy disc to me and uh had an advantage over the traditional rom cartridge with increased memory size bless you bless your heart Uh, heart. thank thank you so much um i have obviously we didn't get the disc system in the u.s it's not something i really know a ton about with the exception of like minor research no, i don't know if either no, of you two have a yeah. you don't want it my man it. you don't no? you, you don't I've want that thing it. yeah no? okay. it's, a, it's, a, 
It is a, uh, yeah, it's a bulky kind of broken, like it doesn't work very well. It doesn't hold up the technology. So it like falls apart really easily over time. And uh, we just didn't need it because they gave us cartridges that had actual batteries and stuff in them so that they could yeah. save and do all the other cool stuff. They, they put they put a lot of the, the stress and pressure on the cartridge ex- itself as opposed to the console. Yes. Which, it, which, was, which was a thing you could do with cartridge-based systems, but can't really do that now. Totally, which is, you know, that's the version that we got here was like you're saying, the gold cartridge with its battery save. And that was the cool thing about this game and the disc system was that instead of like many games, like most of the games I feel like I had were password-based games. This was the first game I think ever on consoles to allow you to actually save your progress on the cartridge, which seems to, by all accounts, to be like a reason that people stuck with the game, which is not entirely surprising. I can't imagine entering a password for every specific thing to play the game that, again. That is like what the the Roger Rabbit password system is like. Oh like, gosh. It's like 20 letters <laughs> and it's just like for every possible, because the game is not to go, but like the game just randomly generates where things are. Yes. So it, it needs some, it needs some sort of, like massive password for every possible combination of like (laughs) things being and how many you have. And it's like bonkers. And it's like so annoying. It's so annoying. Having grown up adoring that movie and trying to play that game on the NES, I, I'm like have some real awful memories of that. So I, I will never forget it. When I fully, when I put that again, but when I played it for the, when I went on, um, how did this get played? I was like, I'm going to do the same thing I did for Zelda. I'm going to play it really hard. I'm going to play it like I would have played in the day, always just entering the new password, making little maps for myself. And it was where, like the way we talk about how satisfying uh, Zelda is that it's like the exact opposite. It's nothing but but fucking tedium. (laughs) It's like, it's, there's nothing satisfying. And also, just like sometimes it, it, you just can't win because the game doesn't generate. The game just generates things randomly. And there's a stupid fucking part where you, to get a part of the will, you need a rattle to give to the snake. And yes. this, and it just like never, like no matter, I put, I searched the game a million times. They just did not generate the fucking rattle. And I was like, well, like, this is unwinnable now. What? Oh my God. Uh, like, <laughs> oh my I feel God. like you are speaking to me so much right now. This is yeah. almost like, I feel vindicated by no, this. No, it's a, it's a ridiculous oh, game. Goodness, I think the we've done an episode on the on Super NPCs about the AVGN, the Angry Video Game Nerd, and he definitely went to town on this game at one point early in his history. Oh yeah, that was one of the first ones. Yeah. How do y'all feel? Not to derail, but how do y'all feel about the Angry Video Game oh, Nerd? Man. We did a whole episode on on him. I want to. Yeah. I, don't, I feel I, like we were I, overall I, yeah. sort of positive, but also understanding that like a lot of his old stuff has aged poorly and we don't necessarily agree with a lot of his takes, but like yeah. was like still interesting and influential as like that sort of character creator. I don't want to yes, put words in yes. your mouth, Jeremy. Oh yeah, no, totally. Like he's got a big 2004 energy to him. Big 2004. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm fascinated by like, and I think he's like a lot pro- less problematic than let's say like the nostalgia credit, yeah. but I am very mm-hmm. fascinated by these dudes who are all now like 
in their mid to like, or their early to mid forties who are just kind of like stuck playing the same screaming about the pop culture of my youth asshole characters yes. that they were like 20 years ago. I'm like, is that, you seem like you're in kind of a trap. It seems like you've kind of like trapped yourself in success. Oh, yeah. Like you, you, you're, it's never going to be hugely successful, but it's always successful enough that like you can't afford to drop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and- it's it, yeah. Watching his videos now, um, he does a lot more like not angry video game nerd stuff. He does. And yes. I think that's a testament to him getting older. It not the bit not being as funny or cool anymore. And so yeah. now he's just kind of a boring guy who talks about movies. Yeah. And it's like, and his takes are kind of boring. It's not he doesn't have like yeah. great takes. So no, he, I just also imagine being because he has like daughters. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And I'm just yeah. imagining like because he still does the angry mm-hmm. video game nerd. I'm just imagining like. <laughs> being his daughter on the phone with my friends and be like, I don't know. My dad's downstairs yelling about Buffalo diarrhea on Ninja Turtles. I don't fucking know. I can't wait until I can go yeah, to college. Yeah. God, I hate my stupid dad. I hate my stupid dad and his stupid, stupid video game dad. But man, is he successful. Yeah, well... Uh, he, had oh, his own, he, he had his own movie. I think that's, so. That was the craziest piece of trivia. Is that they, he did? It feels like he should have stopped there. Yeah, that's it. You, yeah. It's like you, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Um, speaking of battery saves, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's how we got there. Um, uh, that's where we left off. But this game, The Legend of Zelda, received uh, highly positive reviews from critics and was a bestseller for Nintendo, obviously. And by the time Nintendo Power actually uh, came out and debuted, they had a top thirty listing of like the top thirty Nintendo games, and it was listed by the pl- by players as number one uh, wow. at the time. Famously, the Mario Two cover, the Claymation. Uh, I remember that. Yes, with um, the little that King Toad. What was that guy's the kid, the Frog King? Ward. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, who makes an appearance in Link's Awakening? Um, and this game routinely found itself for a long time on like great lists of greatest games of all time, praised for, and is now mostly praised for its fast influence on the action adventures, also like action RPG genre video games. Um, it's been re-released a handful of times, which we sort of touched on ways we've played it. Um, strangely enough, the first way it was re-released was on Animal Crossing through the action replay. You could like, did you play the original Animal Crossing, Joan? I did, and I vaguely remember that. You could like get NES games mm-hmm. in that game in your yes, home. Yes, yes, yes. And this was one of those. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Um, so that's the first. Like I, I talked about the collector's edition of Legend of Zelda. That was next. There was a GBA re-release of this game and number two, um, and then it was on all the all the virtual console systems. And now is on Nintendo Switch Online with its like bonus uh, easy mode version that they've got. Yeah, that's not what they're just like super powered up. Yeah. But when yes. you start, yeah. Yeah, which I think is cool if people yeah. want to play that way. Totally. Um, it's Absolutely. Like yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. It's just like it skips you right to the end. I think it, could, yeah. it skips you to the end, and you just like have an insane. You have like gene, gene game genie level yeah, powers. Yeah. yeah. Really fun way to look at those games. Yeah. Uh, um, the last thing I sort of wanted to like uh, touch on really quick was: Have either of you, and before we can finally actually talk about what we like about this game, um, 
the did you either of you two know about this uh Satellaview broadcasting of uh of uh BS Zelda? Any have either of you heard no. of this, Jeremy? I, I know about it, but yeah, I mean, why don't you try to explain what it is? Because uh, good luck. It's kind of hard <laughs> to explain. It's really hard. <laughs> I tr- you know, it's funny. We were talking about the angry video game nerd because I watched him and one of his friends play through a like pirated version of this. Yeah, that they I have gotten. all the ROMs. Like you can just play them like on an emulator now. Yes. Basically, it was like it would schedule things out, sort of like a like a TV guide, and you could like play at certain times of the day, right, based on a broadcast. Yeah, they from August 6th, 1995 to September 2nd, 1995, Nintendo um, basically broadcasted a different version of the original Zelda game where, um, and it would, but it would be in like chunks. So you could only play like two dungeons Mm -hmm. at a time at most. And then, but it also only broadcast for like, I want to say from my memory, an hour or two at a time. Um, the world was slightly altered. The dungeons were remixed. You could also choose, I believe, from three different characters, including, I believe you could choose, Z- like, a girl as Zelda, one of your characters. Zelda, I think, right? Wait, so, like, how did I even, how would I even play this? This was, a, like, Japanese only. Okay. This was, like, in... But, what oh, would but I now. Play it on? What, what would I play it on? I, th- I don't know. Super Nintendo. Was so it's it a 16-bit... The- version of a zelda of zelda okay. one that's and I right i think you could i think maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe there definitely was a female character i thought it was zelda i thought you played through the game as zelda i don't think it's but, i think it's like a red-haired girl from what i remember um yeah right if you want joan if you wanted to play it now what you do is you they have an english translated version of it you could play on an emulator um they had a similar oh, thing nice. with link to the past had a sequel of sorts through the satellite um, that's so fascinating. I know it's weird. Did they do the, did the, did they do it for other games like the Teleview a thing for a while in Japan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know that uh, the Teleview was yeah. a thing. It's it's an interesting concept. Um, Sega had a similar that, thing like, too. The Genesis had a similar like dial up modem kind of thing. That's cool. And like a limited sort of like broadcast of this mm-hmm. playable game. Mm-hmm. I love. There was a Sega oh, channel wow. you could download games from early on. I really love and getting back into just like analog media yeah. and the idea of like analog video gaming is is very it's cool. Weird. Like you have to be here at this time to play this yeah. game. Yeah. And that's I think what's a lot of what's fascinating about this about this thing. Um yeah, obviously I have no experience with this. Jeremy, have you tried the ROM before? Uh, yeah, and like I think it's uh maybe not for this one, but for the Link to the Past uh sequel thing, which is called like BS Link to the Past something. something. Oh, interesting. I just remember getting stuck like super quick, like just okay, being like gotcha. I don't know, and maybe I'm missing something. Like maybe I'm missing some sort of clue huh. that they give you at the beginning, or uh, I don't know, but. Uh, I also think in that game, maybe you also don't play as Link in Link to the Second Link to the oh, Past. Oh, cool. I, yeah, I don't know. There's huh. This I don't know enough about, but I do know that it exists, and it's funky. Yeah, I, I did want to start out by some by just mentioning something that I'm, I'm really excited to talk about with y'all. And, and yeah. that's, that's just like this idea. Uh, and Mario is similar, but I think it's way less impressive for Mario to have had this. But... Uh, it's it was amazing to me going back and visiting like through the entirety of the Legend of Zelda the NES uh, version, and just realizing like how much is there right away. 
Like, yeah. how much of the franchise is in that first game right from the jump, <laughs> and like is like established, and it's established there, and like it, and like how almost how little they've grown as like a as like in like terms of lore and stuff over the years. Um, I mean, like 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 you could you could the list would go on forever of everything that like is established right in the first game and stays true throughout the entire the entire franchise. I don't, I don't, I can't think of a lot of other things like that. <laughs> yeah. Also there's some, like bouncing off that a little, there's something very fascinating to me about the idea of how well this gameplay mechanic and the story elements mesh. because, you know, kind of what we were talking about back up top with, you know, they are explaining future, exploring futuristic elements. There's some, there's something just about like, the story world and the game mechanics that like just work so well with each other. Yeah. The, the, the kind of idea of, uh, you know, being a little boy in this like giant fantasy world, like lends itself. So idea just these mechanics of like exploring and discovering new things and, you know, back going forward and then backtracking and talking with your friends that I'm like, I'm, I'm always fascinated like with, you know, what came first? Was it the, the, the gameplay or the story or was it kind of just, you know, one was bubbling in a hopper over here and the other over there and they kind of mesh together. But just, just you know, finding the, the just the perfect story to complement your gameplay is, is so cool to me. And I'm just, it's a very impressive that they were able to do it so beautifully to the extent that it's, it's both gameplay and story that have endured for like over almost 40 years now. Yeah, it's nuts. 35 years of this as of this year. And I also like to think of this as the original what came first. I don't know what another example of that could be uh, in, in you know, the world. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's a famous one. But for me, it it's gameplay it's, and story. That's where I like to look at it. Yeah, because like even like looking at Mario, it's like pretty clear like gameplay comes right. – like kind of gameplay right. comes totally. first with Mario. And then you just put all these like weird fucking like psychedelic – like we never really think about how insane Mario is. <laughs> <laughs> concept oh, in a world. I think about it all the time. It's like is it a dinosaur I, world? Why would he go to dinosaur a, world? Yeah, it's a plumber in a dinosaur yeah. world and, uh, you know, yeah, and there's toad people. It's just, like, bonkers. But it's, like, in some ways that's, like, it feel that feels a little easier to generate something with kind of almost no rules. And it's just, like, well, I like this plumber design and these toad guys are cool. Just throw them all into the thing. Then, like, creating this very – what feels like in this game, even though you're not given a lot of backstory – or real world building still feels like a very real place with rules and characters. And it's, it's very, I love yeah. it. It's also like, again, like it borrows from so many things that it truly feels like way more than Mario, like a complete hodgepodge of Western culture, like thrown together, yes. like it, up into the point of like, there's like a ton of Christian iconography inside Zelda. Like the idea of the Triforce is like the father's and Holy spirit. They call Ganon the Prince of darkness, which is like what, they call Satan in the Bible a lot. Like, so even that is and, like, Oh yeah. Did you know that in the Japanese version, the like book you've, the magic book you find is called the Bible. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. So there's even more there, yeah. which is funny. Cause I've heard this, I think this is on the Kane and Rince podcast. They talked about this, but like the, even the Bible is not used to conjure like magic spells. Right. So it is kind yeah, of, yeah. It, it is funny to I me. I mean like yeah. the Triforce Sorry to of you, wisdom, there's like the Triforce of wisdom and the Triforce of power, wisdom and power. Like those are two like super 
I don't know. It, again, but again, though, like, and I think we've talked about this before, Connor, and that like it is super Western influence. It's mostly just Western images all conjured together in something that is so obviously Japanese. Like it still feels like yes, yeah, so definitely. Japanese. Like, uh, and I just don't know what how how they would have even accomplished it. How could you even replicate that? It would be like impossible. Mm-hmm. It's really tough to do. Uh, I have a question. Uh, when you mentioned Ganon, when did Ganon stop being like a pig man? Uh, that's um, a good question. In so Ocarina of the Time, first right? game that I believe that's the first time he's represented as like sort of a man. He's okay. like from the Gerudo in that game or the Gerudo. Mm-hmm. I can never remember the pronunciation, but he's uh, up until then he is yeah just this giant pig dude. Um, but then of course even in Ocarina. He that's his like final form. He becomes his true self. That's so. right. Yes. Yeah. I prefer. Um, I prefer and, pig and You know what? Yeah. I think Wind Waker um, is the f- is the first time where he is only sort of human style Ganon. He's not uh, Mister Piggy Man at all. Yeah. Um, is uh, and t- 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 correct me if I'm wrong because you just played through Link to the Past, uh, Connor yeah. and Joan. You you're very familiar with that game. Is he like? Is he sort of like a Voldemort where he uses other people to do his like? Isn't the wizard you fight in the beginning of that not Ganon? Right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yes. I mean, I am very familiar with it. I haven't played it, but I haven't played it in probably like 25. Right. I was very familiar with it 25 years right. ago. Right. That. I think that is correct, Jeremy. He's sort of uh, influencing or using Aghanim as his, like, puppet. Yes. But the way that that specific game is translated, having dove into it and just I'm consuming too much Zelda shit, like, right now, so I just feel like all this is on the top of my brain. Um, It is a little unclear because of the translation whether or not Ganon is... Also, Aganim, but I think it's just a translation issue. And to the best of my knowledge, he, he's a he's separate a wizard. He's a separate. He was, he was a man who was born like a di- in a like a to a family, and and then he became I a think Ganon so. kind of thing. Okay, yeah. So like, yeah, because I know he does that in Skyward Sword with that weird two face guy with gear. Yeah, he with like gear. He manipulates yeah. these people to like do his. So it almost does feel like a Voldemort like thing where he's like a he when he's defeated, he almost becomes like a spiritual entity that ha- needs to have get his power back before he can like become a sentient being again. Yeah. Which they, they uh, establish a lot of this in skyward sword that he's like, cause in that game he is demise. He is the root of all evil. So they sort of end up uh, almost retcon justifying his, um, his, his continued, <sighs> appearance in the series and how he is sort of able to always recover or come back is through that exact way but but yeah in this first game for whatever for you know because it's just their first one he's just the the prince of darkness he's just the just the evil one who you see in that like in that opening crawl yeah um, Another thing too about the title of the game i guess like for a game that is feels like it's uh so regressive and this idea of like the, the the knight needs to go save the woman from the dragon or whatever like that classic mm-hmm. knight's tale story is the game is called yeah. the legend of zelda and i always just thought that was like as a as a little kid so inspiring or as sort of sort of cool it's like no don't you see the story is about her 
but it's yeah. almost like Link is just the thing that helps prog- push the story that's bigger than him. So it's almost like you're always playing a story that's much bigger than yourself or something. Like there's a cause. I, think I feel like when I, I feel like when I was a kid, everyone just thought like everyone got kind of yeah. confused and thought. Yeah. Kid, you what, just called Zelda him Zelda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Zelda. <laughs> that still yeah. to this day, I think, yeah. happens. Uh, yes. But I think, uh, Jeremy, I, it's that's interesting. That's sort of how I've, I guess, maybe just arbitrarily decided to look at it. That like Zelda is this is the actual mystical magical character who is holding all things together. Who you don't see until the end. So that's mm-hmm. why it's sort of legendary because you're like. You are Link. You're with Link. So there's no legend there. You know right. who, who he is yeah. or who that who you are. Well, so. and I think Breath of the Wild just does a, also does like a really a much better job of this too in establishing that like no 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 you missed the real story. Like the real story yeah. happened before you got here, pal. Like it was so cool. <laughs> yes. There were wars, and like they really do a good job of making Zelda feel herself like she is like super powerful. So powerful, in fact, that for a hundred years she's been pushing back the darkness. You know what I mean? And so like, yes. and this game has a little bit of that because Zelda is the one who breaks up the Triforce into all the eight different mm-hmm. spots um, for you to go find or whatever. So yeah, I always thought that was like kind of cool. It's like, it's like, you know, cause Mad Max is kind of a character like that too, right? Where like Mad Max just kind of shows up to other people's stories and helps out. Like that's his yeah. whole role, you know, um, kind of like Link. Dang. Or a Jack Burton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jack Burton. Me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what Joan, I'd love to hear from you a little bit. Is there anything um that like first when you think of that you or just remember, and maybe I can I could probably infer based on our conversations earlier tonight, but what about this game really sticks out or is special to you? Oh, gosh, I mean, I feel like there's so much that kind of sticks out to me, but I'm, I'm trying to like, okay, I'm trying to like get back to the place of where I was this summer when I was f- fully playing it and like fully falling in love with it. Yeah. And it was kind of that, you know, I, I like that phrase that he uses of, you know, kind of like a gar- little garden I can put in my drawer. Sure. Um, there's something, there's... There's something about the kind of simplicity of of it or the this kind of like huge world and concept like kind of not whittled down to this very simple two button gameplay that almost makes it feel like more of a world and more sprawling and more capable of getting lost in than any of the bigger, you know, 3D or whatever Zelda games that followed, or really like totally. any game that followed, even stuff like um, you know, which we talked about in previous in previous episodes, uh, Skyrim. Yeah, it's just that you know, there's something about like going into those dungeons feel they feel so much more confined and like you could just get like trapped forever wandering around yes. them than I ever did when like looking through one of the the the. Uh, dungeons in like something like Skyrim and that's yes. just uh, and I, I think it's just there's just something about the, the simplicity of it the very like blocky basicness of it that makes it just feel like so much more weird and immersive and 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 it's in, in, in idiosyncratic that I love it's, to kind of like put a finger on why exactly but they just feel it just feels bigger yeah that's 
So interesting that you brought up Skyrim because I've been thinking about that in this game as well because in some senses, they do seem to have things in common in the sense that like it is sort of just like up to you to, I mean, in in a, in one way, tell your own story. As I put up quotation marks, the listeners got to know about those quotation marks. First <laughs> quotes cool of the whole series, folks. It, guys. <laughs> We're going to mark the quotes all series, and that's the first one. Um for 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 that, but also of uh, just like the exploration that's there. But you, I actually would tend to agree with you in the sense that like in those Skyrim dungeons, it's really just sort of like a for the most part. What I can remember of my many my many hours spent in that game is that it is pretty much just like a straight jaunt through that dungeon. Whereas these Zelda dungeons in the first game do feel like you could get lost or put yourself in a corner or find yourself in a room with like a bunch of iron knuckles or whatever. And you're just in a dark spot and I don't know how to make my way through. Uh, Yeah. I think there's, there's, I mean, I know you have your mask, but I think there's something to the fact that like all you can really see is the one year room you're in and you don't know what's to the left. You don't know what's to the right. You really don't really have a full idea of like what your path out is. And there's something, you know, and you could get lost and turn around and you get, and you can dig so deep into one of the, like, you know, talking about those moments where you're just like, oh, this is so satisfying or you discover something and it's amazing and it's like, it's like creepy or weird in those uh, in one of the dungeons or mul- multiple dungeons when you find there's like a block you can move and you can go even deeper down I'm like the first yeah. time that happened I'm like oh shit oh my god like this goes deeper like I like that's that I, I, I just got like tra- and you feel like oh I could just get trapped down here I'm, I'm so deep underground it's it's crazy and I love it yes that sort of it your that point you're bringing up or that that like sensation sort of ties into something Jeremy discussed earlier about about how much this game established early on, which I do not think I understood until this uh, first and final playthrough (laughs) that I had, which was even things as simple as like pushing a block to unlock a staircase or whatever, whatever it may be, a key, who knows, um, was was like so, and here it comes, folks, satisfying. Mm. Because, I mean, there's so much... I was so surprised having experienced the majority of the games in this series to, uh, to like, have a feeling while playing this that I have really not had with almost the entire series. Um, and that is exploring and truly just, like, poking and prodding around. Uh, the dungeons are a little easier to have this feeling, I think, because... It's limited, whereas in the overworld, like Jeremy was talking about, burning every bush to try to find where, where like a secret is, oh, that could be a little much. But these dungeons were just, I feel like the, the, were so, as much as they're really simple and they're mostly just kill all the enemies in the room to reveal the next way or the key, they're really, really, uh, Fantastic. Yeah, is what I thought. Nothing sounds like more magic, like like a like a more fun like analog childhood experience. I wish I had than like you know meeting like we talk about meeting the lunchroom every day and like one kid is like okay I did this one thing and then you all yeah. go back the next you go back home that night and try it. It's like yeah. that's so that's yeah. so fucking cool. Yeah, I think like for the most part, what I'm hearing 
uh, I think what we're kind of saying, kind of talking around it a little bit, is like the what are the reasons why this feels like such a such a well lived in world, very fleshed out world, maybe even more than some of these other games. I think has a, mostly to do with you yourself as the player, like you, uh, your imagination. Like it's, yeah. it's because there's yeah. nothing there. You're coming up with all of it. It's like you're reading a book or something. So. Uh, even I think up and up until up and through the N sixty four generation, because even though those were in three D, they still like look like garbage. So you had to kind of <laughs> mentally kind of yeah. guess what stuff was and what it what, what yes. it would look like if it was done in real. You know, with Breath of the Wild, I mean, as beautiful as that game is, there's no real imagination left. I mean, it, it's right there in front of you. It's exactly what it is, and you know, so like, you know, but when you're playing Zelda one. It's like it's like this thing could be anything. You are Link in a lot of ways. You know, you imagine you are that character and what that yeah. must feel like to be going through that world. And I think that's why it, it you know, it's like people imprint on it and they take with it whatever you know they kind of bring to the table. I also think that uh, with what you're saying, Connor, one thing I'm realizing by playing all these Zelda games this year is, uh, and I mean this in a good way, is how much they're all exactly the same. Like you just kind of said it, like yeah. they every single Zelda game is the exact same game when it, in its, in its bones and its DNA with the exception of Zelda two. And I'll get into that in a couple of weeks. That game's not like any <laughs> of the Zelda games. And I have, I have a couple of theories on why, but the rest of them, it's all a bunch of block pushing. It's all a bunch of boomerang throwing. It's you're doing the same stuff every single time. And that's, we're talking 35 years later, you're doing the exact same thing and it still feels fresh somehow. Yeah, that is interesting um, because I still feel a different, very, very, very different sense of uh, enjoyment and satisfaction out of the new games. I think Breath of the Wild was also, I mean, as this isn't a revelation, but was very refreshing for the series. And I don't know if I could have, because of that game, I don't, I think that finally prepped me to be ready for this experience. I don't know, maybe we touched on this earlier, but um for myself, I had never given myself the time to just sit down and let this game just happen and like explore it at, at a leisurely pace, not to like, cause I, you know, being since Ocarina is my first one, I'm used to being like, okay, cool. I did this thing. I'll go do the next thing. I, I got this, uh, Ocarina. I learned this song. I'll go play it for this person. That'll unlock this next dungeon. Whereas this game is just like you just got to live in this world. And until I just, I started playing this in January and I was like, we're, I think we're recording this in April. What if it takes me four months to play this game? Yeah. Like I have to allow for that time without doing that. I don't think I could have enjoyed it as near as much I did or even get to this place. Yeah. So it's like a, for me, that's where it's I like was. A book. You got to like be able to put it down and come back to it. It's not a, it's unless you're some kind of crazy speed runner, you never, you're, <laughs> it's you like finish all in one sitting game. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'm, still, I'm doing that right now, by the way, currently with, with these Zeldas. Cause you know, Joan, we're doing this all year. So and we have these deadlines we got to hit, which doing anything on a deadline is terrible, especially when it's like a yes. recreational thing, like oh, a yeah. video game. It sucks. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to find a weird balance where I'm like, I'm still far enough away from having to do Oracle of Seasons. So I'm going to yes. put it down, play a whole nother video game halfway through that. Leave that one on the burner, come back. And it's like, I'm just finding a way to uh, to try to like maintain joy through it because I, I think yeah. it, it can feel stressful. It can 
It can yes. feel weird if you're up against it. With these games in particular, because the joy of them comes from the discovery and the exploration. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's obnoxious to sit there with a game fact up the whole time and just be reading through everything you're supposed to do linearly, yeah. you know? That takes a lot of the joy out of it as well, yeah. which um, was an interesting sort of experiment for myself playing this game for the first and final time all the way through was allowing myself that space. And um, I, like I've probably, I talked about it on stream because I've been, uh, for those of you listening, uh, I try to stream a Zelda Games Club twice a week on Sundays at three and Thursdays at six (laughs) if I can. Um, Sometimes that's subject to change, so follow me on social media. But I tried to allow for for that space as we've already sort of discussed and uh, what was helpful. I, I also tried to, um, you know, where we're, this, this game came out 35 years ago. I tried to sort of recreate the sort of like playground talk that we talked about. So what I would do was I, I used guides almost, it almost never happened for me because I would occasionally just throw on like a let's play while I was like cooking dinner or would be doing something else. So I'd be like kind of watching it, but not really. But it it sort of felt like to me that I was recreating that sort of like that like childhood discussion on the yeah. playground. Yeah. In, a, in my own sort of like, you know, video way. <laughs> uh, so so that went a long way for me and and helped me play through it in in the way that I think the only way that you could actually enjoy it as opposed to like forcing myself through it, because I famously have discussed on all these shows. I'm such a linear, like a linear game player until recently. Mm -hmm. So I just couldn't do it any other way. Um, I do uh, want to know uh, from, from you two, uh, were there any like uh, dungeon, not necessarily even dungeons that stick out because to me, they really sort of mesh together in my mind, but were there things that you found yourself doing uh, like strategies or ways that you were playing the game that, you know, are at the top of your minds? I'm trying to think. Like for, for just to like sort of kick us off, for example, I had never, I had like toyed with this game a few times. This is the first time I'd be like, oh, boomerang is going to be my item yeah. on, on the screen and I'm going to huck that at the first enemy I see and I'm going to stab him and go from there to like grind for rupees because mm. I know I just needed money to to actually progress through the game to buy certain equipment or items. I guess, the, yeah, this is the first time I definitely like realized the importance of grinding and not just like running away from enemies because that's what I would do a lot. Yeah. Um, also just like really like holding on, like realizing how precious that first hit is, especially early in the game, like avoiding that first oh hit goodness. for a lot because the game gets such, so expert, like the first, after you get hit the first time, the game gets like a million times harder when you don't yeah. have that throwable sword anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which always feels <laughs> yes. like a crazy thing that like you get hit once and then all of a sudden it's like, it's like the game becomes so much harder. Yeah. Totally. For, for a while it's like just uh, survive and like, and stay away from everything especially when you've got like three hearts at the beginning. I died so many times. Yeah. I, 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 well, I mean, so one of my strategies is bomb every, um, 
like so every room there's like four walls right so yeah. you want to yes. bomb the middle of every wall mm-hmm. <laughs> just to it's see always the middle yes. yeah um so that's one strategy but i do want to kind of talk about that first dungeon because i think it's like a master class in like game design like please, that that, that it's almost like world one one from mario to me mm-hmm. like just how beautiful and perfect like like joan you were talking about like when you move that block and you see like the stairs that's in the first dungeon and that's where you go get the boomerang i believe right yes yes yeah, and then it becomes almost like a 2D game because you're going down the ladder yeah, and then you have to go across. Like yes, yeah, yes. climb up. Yeah. Um that that dungeon in particular that ends with a dragon battle. Um to me, that is the yes. whole game. Like you can keep playing yeah. after that, but to me that's just like it's it's what they call in in game design is like a vertical slice where it has like it's touching every single part of the cake. Every part like exploration, discovery, uh boss battle, you know, all these stuff ha- all this stuff happens in this one dungeon and the layout of it is just so perfect it really um it it moves you along at a good pace and it you never yeah. get stuck in that dungeon which is i think i think that's a well designed zelda dungeon i don't think getting stuck is good game design it also doesn't feel satisfying to be stuck for a long time on something so i think when they're hit, when they're firing on all cylinders it's when you always know what to do or a possibility of what to do uh thing something you might want to try um and and that dungeon to, it just never quits it just it, you you end up at that dragon in 20 minutes you can get through that entire dungeon and it's like it's just perfect um i had to go back to that dragon a couple times cuz he killed he me he got you <laughs> he got you good yes. yeah it's a hard dragon also just like that's you really like you, that, that first dungeon, you kind of really realize how much these dungeons are going to be little worlds onto themselves. Yeah. Like the first time you go down, like you think, like you kind of know what it is to go into like a little side world like this. Like you're expecting maybe like Mario rules where it's like, oh, you go down a pipe and it's like, you know, 30 seconds of scrolling and then you're back up in the main world. But this is like, oh, fuck, these dungeons are like a little, little worlds onto themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going to, they really I think are. That's another thing about how how kind of like uh, you know in a good way like oppressive and and trapped you feel in there because you really are trapped for a while. You're like holy shit. Like there are times you're like holy shit. I'm in it. Am I ever gonna find my way out of this thing? Yeah. Yes. And when you walk in a room in a dungeon and there's just it's filled with enemies (laughs) like it's one thing to see a bunch of bats where you're like all right i'll huck my boomerang to kill them if they come near me i'll stab them but especially later in the game when you're running into like six iron knuckles in a room or even worse for me what are those which ones are those are like the little knight guys the knights okay 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 what are the little sort of they like what are are the little bulldog guys Oh, those are the the like I want to say they're moblins. Okay, moblins. Okay, they're you see those in the forest a lot. Yeah. They like shoot arrows at you, but the 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 iron knuckles are tough because you have to stab them. You can't stab them from the front. You got to stab them from the side or the back. But they move in these like unpredictable patterns, mm-hmm. so it's so difficult to get them. I might also be naming them wrong. But the whiz robes for me, yeah. the wizards, those are the hardest because they take out so much damage with each little spell and you gotta like oh but it's uh, another thing jeremy you were you've talked about this a bunch of times all of the things they sort of establish in this first game that they bring forward like you're seeing whiz robes you're seeing iron knuckles Mm -hmm. moblins you're seeing the slimes you're seeing the bubbles like you could go down the list even goma who comes back even impa several times in this game 
Um, yeah, she's like I think they just na- label her as like old lady or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's Impa. Yeah, there's a there even like even from just a um like a game loop point of view, uh, Zeldas are like the, you don't just go dungeon 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 dungeon. You go dungeon and then you yes. hang out in the overworld for X amount of time, picking up all your pieces, doing your little side things, and then finally going to the next mm-hmm. dungeon. It's like it's this. I'm playing Oracle of Seasons right. It's the same exact thing every time. It's gonna be dungeon and then hang out time for a while do a little side yes. quest meet a little old lady they go back into a dungeon um yeah like uh, establishing the dungeons being in different like biomes so like you have like a, a more water focused dungeon or mm-hmm. a desert focused mountain focused dungeon um yeah there's always going to be some sort of forest where you can't you need to a special route to get through it because it's just a, a labyrinth a maze yeah, speaking of which, those Lost Woods, that was a really satisfying moment for me in the game because as you get into the Lost Woods and you try to go any direction, you basically end up in the same pattern. And eventually after like just zoning out and scrolling left a bunch of times or up or however, wherever you decide to mm-hmm. walk, you realize like, oh, I have to, I can only go out right and I have to re-enter and there's a pattern. I remember being so annoyed by that on this playthrough. Just like, how am I ever, what am I ever going to figure this out? I'm never going to figure this out as I felt about several things in this game when later I, I think below that area, there's another little desert uh, like rock area. And if you go all the way to the left and bomb a north wall, you go and talk to Impa or like an old lady and she tells you to get through the wood. Or I don't think she says to get through the wood. She just says like, to get, I don't know what she says. She says like, go left, left, up and right or whatever it is. And I remember once I, she's told me that I was like, Oh, I know what that's for. I know what to do. And then when I got through the lost woods, I was truly so satisfied and proud. I was like, I fought to find that (laughs) secret (laughs) and I did it. Yeah, I didn't it was get just that uh, far, fantastic. But that sounds very satisfying. No, I, I googled that in like two seconds, buddy. Don't you yeah. worry about it. I, I love googled it. how to get through those woods right away. I it was funny ha- the way that I sort of like like I as I told the two of you had like a let's play on because there were things that I would like see and not remember exactly where it was, but it was like I had heard it from a friend and been like, oh, wait a second. I'm on this screen and that's the bush that I got to burn. <laughs> yeah. So while I wasn't like looking up walkthroughs, watching the, yeah. like watching a let's play and then coming back to that level three days later was like, it, it felt like almost recreating that experience in a way. Um, we sort of were talking about the dungeons. Uh, one part of this game that I think is just okay, which of course it's the first game in the series. I'm glad they have a place to build on is, the I mean not just the dungeons themselves in the sense that like they're not really themed they feel similar but the bosses mm. are a little for me personally they're a little blase a little okay um I don't know if anybody else has a particular my favorite boss in the game was Ganon but do either of you have a particular opinion on this yeah I there. The, they're not like the the first time you encounter that dragon is pretty cool just because like you yes. haven't experienced that you haven't encountered anything like that in the game yet but they do just feel a little like okay they're not like 
wow, big wow set pieces. But I don't know what what games yeah. really pull, what games really like pulled off like big wow set pieces um, at this in this era. Oh, that's a that's a great point. Is like this is maybe the closest to me that it feels like these bosses come. Maybe I haven't played the early Mega Man's, but maybe. But even then, they're like whatever, yeah. man. And I feel like the, the like those are kind of a few years removed from this. They are those are nice sure. little you know the the Zel- the Mega Man bosses are nice little set pieces where you kind of have to strategize and figure out you know what's special about this dude that you have to conquer. Um, but yeah, I know, it's, but I don't disagree. I don't disagree with these bosses. Is there but one? I, remind me, is there one you have to use bombs on? Like there's like a like a. Yes. Dodongo thing. It's like a little. He looks like, like he looks like a dinosaur. I think he yeah. looks like a little triceratops. Yes, he does. Yeah. And also, I love the before you get. I remember before you get to Dodongo. Dodongo is his name. I I want to mm-hmm. say is that right? I think that's <laughs> he right. He runs into yeah. like one of the bearded men, and he's like Dodongo doesn't like smoke, and it's like. <laughs> Well, yes. well it's, it's, I don't know. I don't like know, but does anyone like like getting a bomb placed under them and exploding? <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't sound yeah. like that's not the best advice. Like it's like totally. Don Dago is vulnerable to explosions. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah, I think. Yeah. Go for it. No, Jeremy. I just, I just, I mean, to me, that it's good enough. Like the bosses are yeah. good enough for what it yeah. is. Like the fact that there's more than one boss and they're not the exact same battle is okay they did something here they totally um, i i was actually impressed i mean there's a couple bosses that on my first time playing them was cool and then when they are revisited i was like ah this like little crab running around again oh, or yeah. i fought this dragon with three heads before oh, they, that's right um, there's a tra- that yeah. one yeah they do get repetitive yeah, that- right a little a little bit yeah, for sure yeah, I, but I love oh, i will say no i love them that dragon is the dragon is kind of cool because when you kill a head, there's like three heads. They start, they go like sentient yeah. and like the ghost starts attacking you. Yeah. So it there's, there's some like challenge there, but one little mini boss I thought was cool is there's this little like eye that floats around and it's got these tiny things that f- like zip around yeah. it in these really cool sort of like circular patterns. And you have to kill, you have to like stab those and the, uh, before you can attack it, I I thought that was cool. Um, and speaking of bosses, when I got to Ganon on my first playthrough, I didn't even have the silver arrows which you need to kill so him. So frustrating. I was just like, well, I was getting my ass kicked anyway, yeah. so I didn't even know the difference until I like f- figured out that I had missed two. I'd missed the red ring, which like. It, this game, you know, sort of, I know it gets talked about as an action RPG, but this game does allow you to sort of like play how you want and you can pick up the items that you want generally, like the, the red ring, which quarter, which cuts your damage you take in a, in quarters. Um, but that and the, and the silver arrows, I didn't even know about my first I don't think it go tells you Ganon. clearly that you yeah. need silver arrows to beat Ganon, which is like, it, yeah. I don't think it does. So, yeah, so frustrating. Your- you gotta hear it from your friend in the cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There we but go. But even like even if you're trying to play this as an adult with a f- fully formed brain today, you just wouldn't be able to really do it yeah. without without some sort yeah. of guide, some sort of information, and um, it's just I don't know, it's just silly. It's like why require it then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. But um, but yeah. So the silver arrows—that is the only way to defeat Gang because you you could. 
you could get to Ganon and probably have no idea and just hit your head against the wall so many times trying to fight him, mm-hmm. not knowing. Yeah, it's the what would what it would take, which is eventually what I did is um I had seen that like I could see there were spots in that dungeon that I hadn't yet to explore, which I love the the final dungeon. I don't remember what it's called. I don't think it's Death Mountain, but it's something like that. And I I was I loved it because it was so challenging. There's so many tough rooms, and I'm not like a get good, it needs to be hard kind of player in any scenario. But this game, I for some reason welcomed that and I knew I was like there are there's rooms I haven't visited. I got to explore these. So eventually I did that and then I like did I don't know if either of you ever bought the potions that you could yeah. use. Um but I one time I didn't know you couldn't buy multiple, so I spent like a ton of money on like four potions and you can only hold two. Perfect. Uh, perfect. So, yeah. I felt a little foolish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so foolish, but uh, but eventually made my way through that, and like I, this was one of these games. As I mean, I feel like we've gotten to talk about so much, so I'll sort of like wrap up my general feeling. It's just a game that I never thought I would ever a want to play, and b would go about triumphing over. Yeah. And so, like, I I finished this game on stream, and anybody who watched it was there. But like, I got like a little choked up because I was like, I just never thought I could do it. Yeah. I thought like my yeah. brain almost was like too limited to pull something like this game and, off. And you see little sprites and, like holding the little triangles at the end. They're like, Yeah, yes. we did it. We got our two. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, I still haven't triumphed over it, but I have played more than I ever thought I would. <laughs> which has been and that's, really cool and satisfying to go back and be like, yeah, this is just like kind of this forgotten or ignored piece of my childhood. Something that was mm. so huge during my childhood that just I ignored or didn't get into it for, for any reason, just to have that experience of yeah. spending like a week or two where I'm just immersed in it. Like I would have been as a kid it was very fun and very, you know, especially before the time was taking place, the time I was doing it, it was just nice to kind of sink back into that during, you know, dark world quarantine times. Yeah. During your own little dark world, uh, yeah. Zelda dark world. Well, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Joan, and and with you too, Connor. Like, I I think that to to play this game in 2021 is to revisit something very like almost feels like primal, something like something that connects yeah. you with like yeah. a way early time in your life. But to beat it is like a, such a test of will. It's it, it, so I get getting maybe choked up after finishing Absolutely. it. Like you should, you know, in what in your lifetime you should do something really hard at, at once and finish it and, and see what that's like. Like uh, roll credits on the first Super Mario Bros. That's a weird thing to do. Go do it someday. Yeah, it's, it's probably it's mm-hmm. it, you're gonna have a good time doing it. It's a video game, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, but yeah, but it's just it's just not something that's natural though. Like like beating a Zelda, the first Zelda, beating the second Zelda. God forbid you ever try that, or uh, or Mario. Gosh. You know, like um, you know, Super Mario World. Yeah, you can beat that in an afternoon. But like Super Mario Bros, like that takes some time. You know, like they were in this this game, like the ones the other NES games you're referencing are, were built for to be played differently, and they were built in a time when you had 
I don't know, three to five games and or if that. Yeah. And it was one you came back to and you came back to and came back to. Whereas now games are not only built differently, but uh, the publishers and developers know that if they built a game like this, probably less people would play yeah. it there, and like would enjoy it. Um, there's something yeah. hard to me like about the minimal, minimal, minimalism of it and the, the kind of just like the, the encouragement of – you know, fail and try again, fail and try again. That makes it very therapeutic. Yes. And I think connects me to a part of my brain and, and connects me just to a kind of like overall feeling of, of, I don't know, just it's peaceful. It's like more peaceful. And, and I don't know, like I, I, I just got a, um, I, you can see it in the background of this. I got a Miss Pac-Man arcade, like yeah. replica, yeah. one arcade, one up cabinet, and like I've been finding that a lot. Like just the with Pac-Man, with playing Pac-Man over and over again. There's something just so much. It's such a different vibe than playing yeah. like a video game from today, where it's just like about. It's about. It's just about like keep going and like master. It's about mastering the same little thing mm-hmm. down to like the last, like the last little fraction of a movement, as opposed to just kind of just being like, "Fuck, I'm out in this world. It's huge. I'm gonna go this way and that way, and doesn't nothing feels like it really matters." Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's some, something. There's something. I, I mean, not that I. I mean, I love those games. I love. I'm having a lot of fun with Cyberpunk now that they've patched a bunch of it. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, but um, but there's also just something like much more therapeutic about you know just a bunch of little like like minute long intervals of Miss Pac Man before I start over. Yeah, I yeah I I, I agree yeah. so much, uh, and I would just encourage anybody listening who has not given this game the chance that they would have liked to if and when you do that to allow yourself the space and time to consume it at, at, at the sort of way we've discussed ad nauseum on this episode. Um, because I, I don't think it's, it's not like a, like a lot of games where you can just like mainline it and like push yourself to beat it. You're going to, I think be unsatisfied if you do that personally, maybe like put together your own little like book club where you're all playing at the same time and trade your secret. Don't, don't look anything up online. Just trade your secrets. Formal strategy. Today I'm going to go this way. You go that way. Uh, That sounds so beautiful. And have your book club all subscribe to this Patreon. uh, Yeah, for sure. That's one thing you should all do for sure. I love that. Um, wow. Was there, was there any, any last sort of like overall thoughts or legacy? I mean, we sort of talked about the legacy as we went through, but if anyone want to share something, Uh, I of course would love to allow space for that. mm -hmm. Um, anything that either of you two didn't get to share that you'd like to? Just the music. The music is. Oh my goodness. For for just basically, I mean, they basically, how many different music tracks are in this? Like not a ton. Maybe six. Okay. Yeah. For something like I mean, for something that kind of repeats itself ad nauseum, they're all amazing, especially yeah. <laughs> the dungeon theme, the overworld theme. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love those yeah. so much. Um, even the like the little sounds, sort of like a lot of the other things that are carried forth throughout the series, like the yeah. when you discover something yeah. or or whatnot. Uh, I love those, or the sound of the sword shooting yeah. is so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so great. Yeah. So the sound and the music too are just like they're 
it, it makes sense why they have continued to bring these things back. It's like, well, they work and they're beautiful. Yeah. So, like, why wouldn't we do that and iterate on? Yeah, them? one thing, uh, Jacques. We brought up Jacques twice in this episode, I think. Jacques, one thing, one thing that Jacques uh, turned me on to is that Koji Kondo, the composer of this game, and Mario, uh, he like he likes to do these little preambles to his the songs. And if you go back and listen to all of his songs, it's like it's like kind of like uh, realizing that Bruce Willis was dead in the Sixth Sense or something. You start to realize <laughs> that, like every song does this, where it's like it's like Mario's like da 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 da. Dut, then the song starts and then it's like it's so yes. in, in Zelda's the same way where it's like yeah so it's like it's like all of his tracks that he composes do the same sort of follow that same sort of like thing where it's like this little appetizer jingle yeah. that has nothing really to do with the rest of the song <laughs> but but like yeah. kind of brings There's- it out I love that little uh, anecdote I also love like this does have being on the NES with the NES sound, it and, and you know experiencing a lot of that growing up, it still is so charming to me. Yeah, the oh, even yeah. with the limited sound chip that they had is is just yeah. wonderful. Um, Jeremy, what about you? Is there anything about the this game or overall thoughts that you'd like to toss out there? Nah, man. I mean, uh, next. I mean, I'm. This is such a positive. This is such a positive episode. Such a positive experience talking about this game gonna be way different next time that's all i'll say much 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 <laughs> different comes zelda 2 time um but Ooh, that'll be that'll baby. be equally as fun just uh way different vibe just different yeah today's today Great. it's all well, about it's all about good vibes and and yeah. coming together and, and having conversations and communicating with your friends exactly. um, it's all the goodwill it. the franchise like gain to get it past that sophomore slump like it's still yeah, exactly. like, totally. yeah. Yeah. that sophomore <laughs> slump could not kill Ed's. yes yeah Man, i i just i didn't expect to enjoy this game near as much as i did when i started just picking it up in january every so often yeah. uh i'm i'm so thankful that i did because i also think i did, i talked about this with future guest uh of this series patrick ellers on the link to the past stream how i truly feel like this playing this game in the way that i did this time sort of unlocked something in my brain mm. just like and i think that thing which patrick identified was knowing the language but just allowing yourself to sit with it and 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 to be satisfied by the discovery was was crazy so that's kind of the last thing i wanted to share Great. but but yeah that sort of wraps up our episode the first uh, number one of the legend of zelda games club from super npc radio before we go of course uh we gotta we gotta plug so joan why don't we start with you thank you so no much for being here thank you so much a, uh, a real joy to like get to dive back into this um and have some uh, you know uh like i said i'm i wish i had this experience of like share like sharing this with friends when i was little this is a little kind of sliver of that so thank you um you can find me on instagram and Twitter is Joan Haley Ford, and I I'm uh, on Twitch as twitch at twitch.tv slash Joan Haley Ford. Uh, I'm trying to stream more. I I moved. I was kind of getting fell out of it, but uh, getting back in. So so look for me at certain times. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely, we'll put that in the show notes for for this episode as well. But but yeah, thank you so much for Oof. being here, Mister. 
half, uh, what did I call you at the top? Half, a side host? Semi host. What did I call you? Side piece? Semi, se- side piece. Side host. Semi host. Uh, my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Um, thank you so much for listening to this Patreon exclusive series that we are, we are giving away for free, but. Um, if you really want, I mean, the rest of it's going to be behind a paywall until it's not anymore. <laughs> so, yes. so uh, yeah, jump uh, if you want to hear this. These episodes happen live and in front of you in real time and be a part of the discussion and conversation. You have to subscribe to the Patreon. I love it. Uh, I am Connor McCabe. You can find me on Twitter at Connor underscore McCabe. Um, you can also follow me on Twitch where, uh, as I've discussed throughout the show, I am streaming, th- uh, many, many, many Zelda games throughout the year. I have an official Zelda games club stream that I do, uh, every Sunday at three and every Thursday at six subject to change. So follow my social media, follow the super NPC radio, social media, pretty easy to search. Um, and you'll be able to find that. And yeah, uh, it's fun because, you know, the things that you're hearing on these episodes, you're going to see and hear me uh, discover on stream. And it's been really fun. Uh, And it's also informed the ways I felt about the games and the things I've been able to bring to these episodes. Um, This has been the first of the Legend of Zelda Games Club series. Uh, We will see you on the next one.